Welcome to CT Church Podcast, where we exist to know Jesus and make him known. This week on our part two of Because I'm Thankful series, Pastor Cyprian will be sharing about living on mission. So I want to take a moment, what is your favorite thing of the holiday season? And if you're brave enough, just shout it out. Cookies, family, yes. What else? Come on. Gifts, mm, yes. Awesome, Christmas music. We got a Christmas music fan. I was working on my sermon listening to Frank Sinatra Christmas. It was good. <laughs> good stuff. I was like, ooh, this is anointed. No, but it was good. So, so yes, holiday season is amazing. And this is such a cool time because I feel like it really is just a time where we, like, focus, like, as, as a country, as a people group, we focus, and there are some things, like you all said, that really give us common ground, <laughs> which is awesome. And I believe one of those things is obviously family, like Christmas season and Thanksgiving, for me, so much means family. You know, we gather, we eat, we have fun, we watch football if you're watching on Thanksgiving, and at Christmas, you got the cookies, the cocoa, all that good stuff, but you're with family. And ever since I gave my life to Jesus when I was 13, I remember that this season specifically, I need to get with the Lord and pray. Because when I'm with my family members, there's some of my family members that don't know Jesus. And I'm like, God, like, help me be a light. Like, give me opportunities to share your word with my family. Give me your words to say. Like, bless conversations. And it's so cool, like, seeing where the Lord has taken my family. It's awesome. So many of them love Jesus and are walking with him, which is really cool. But today I want to talk about, because I'm thankful, I will live on mission. And Nick did an awesome job last week talking about just the generosity that comes out of Thanksgiving, or being thankful to the Lord. But today I want to be, say, because I'm thankful for what God has done, I want to live on mission. Like, I want to see things the way God sees them. I want to be available to him. So I'm going to open up, if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones, that's cool too, Colossians 1. We'll start in verse 11. I'll give you a moment. And if you're ever confused on the, the, the letters of Paul, I always remember God eats popcorn. <laughs> Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It always helps me. Thanks, God. So that's the last, the last letter right there, Colossians. Verse 11. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, verse 12, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Ooh, come on. He has rescued us out of a kingdom of darkness and placed us into the kingdom of of his beloved son. That's powerful. If there's a reason to be thankful, I think it's that right there. That God rescued us. That he saved me from my own sin and the destination of that sin, which is death, hell, and the grave. But Jesus stepped in. He's like, no, I have a different purpose for you. Like, I'm going to take your place so you can be in the kingdom of light, in the kingdom of my dear son. Isn't that wonderful? Like, we should be so thankful for that. 
Have you ever been rescued? Mm, you have, yes. Come on. In the spirit. How about physically? Mm. I was thinking of this. I was like, man. <laughs> so growing up, I have, there's six kids in my family. So I'm number three of six. And the first three were like, my mom just popped us out. She's like, bam, bam, bam. So we were like, what's up? And my dad, you know, he would work a lot. So, you know, my mom was trying to raise these like three under four or whatever, I think. And yeah, so a lot of times, I'm sorry, mom, if you're watching, I love you. But a lot of times we would kind of gang up on her, right? We were like, oh yeah, like let's go to the kitchen. I know where the cookies are. All right, you cause a diversion. You do this and I'll go get the cookies and whatever. We just like, we were kind of rowdy kids. And I just remember, I don't, I don't remember what, exactly what we did, but I remember my mom, she was like, y'all are in trouble this time. Like, you guys are in trouble. And I was like, oh, no. And so I'm Polish. So in Poland, my mom would say, she would take off, like, her sandals. She's like, klapki. And if you're Spanish, I think it's the same. If you're from Mexico, like, my chanclas, you know? <laughs> like, you throw the chanclas, you throw the klapki. But it went beyond that point of the sandal. We're like, oh, no. Like, mom is mad. She's like, just wait till dad gets home. All of a sudden, we're like, okay. We'll be good. But I remember dreading it that whole day. I was like, What? My dad's going to come home. Like, you know, like, my dad is a strong guy. I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> so my siblings and I, we, we come together. We brainstorm. Dad's coming. We're in trouble. What do we do? <laughs> so uh, I think it was my brother, Sebastian. I don't know. It was one, either my brother or sister. But they had an awesome idea. They were like, hey, let's put on every pair of underwear and pants we have <laughs> so that when dad comes home, you know, if he's like, wants to like discipline us, like, it's not gonna hurt at all. So we're like, we come out, our dad comes out, we're like, kind of like these little Eskimo people. We have like 10 layers. We're like, I'm ready, dad. <laughs> and my dad just laughed and he's like, I think he thought it was so funny. He's like, I can't even do this right now. Like, you're off the hook. And I was like, whoo, we got saved, we got rescued. And I remember that feeling of Thanksgiving, like, thank you, Dad. You know what? From now on, I'll never do anything bad again. But I just remember that feeling of being rescued from that moment and just the, the Thanksgiving that came after, the thankfulness. And with the gospel, looking at what Jesus has done, we should be so thankful that he rescued us, that he saved us from the death that we deserved. Because it was my sin it was our sin that put Jesus on that cross. But he took our place, and he rescued us. Whew. Thank you, Lord. So good. Because of that, like, it says that we are bought with a price. Your life is not your own. There's those Bible verses that you read, you're like, what do I do with this, Jesus? Like, what do you mean my life is not my own, you know? But because I'm thankful for the rescuing of Jesus, I want to live my life on mission. Another verse in Colossians, we're going to jump to chapter 3, 16 through 17. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And here, I love this verse, verse 17. And whatever you do or say, 
Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through, through him to God the Father. Wow, whatever you do, do it as a representative of Jesus. Come on, isn't that like a powerful verse? What if your life is the only representation someone gets of Jesus? There's so many people, they're looking for hope. They're looking for Christ. They're looking in all these places, but they have no representation of who he is. What if your life, your words, that encouraging word that you have is the only representation they get? Because I'm thankful, I will live on mission. I love it. It's called good news. That means it should be exciting to share, right? It should be exciting for us to share the love of Jesus, the message of Jesus. But I think so many times we get so caught up in our own emotions. We're like, what if they don't want to hear it? What if they reject me? What if they say, no, what if they fight me? What if they persecute me? Whatever the question is. But it's so hard to get to that place. But Jesus, he makes it very clear. It's good news. Like, people should, we should be excited to share because it's good news that they have relationship with, if they have relationship with Jesus, they have new life in Christ. It's awesome. I love that life doesn't end with salvation. I've heard someone say this before, and I thought about it. I'm like, that's interesting. It's not like we're going through life, and then we're like, okay, Jesus, I love you. And then he's like, whoop, you know, like, whoops, whisps up into heaven, and whatever that looks like. But life doesn't end with salvation. It starts, yeah, you are, it says you were born again. Come on, in, in some ways, your life begins in the spirit with salvation. So that means your life here after salvation has a purpose. Your life has a purpose and a new purpose than when you were walking in the old ways. Because we're renewed in the ways of our mind, right? I love that when there comes a time in our walk with Jesus where we stop focusing so much on ourselves and then we can finally start focusing on the people Jesus has placed in front of us. It's so wonderful. God has an assignment for each one of you in this current season. Like each one of us at this current time, God has an assignment and a purpose for each one of us. I love it. So today, if you have your Bibles, please turn here because this is where we'll, we'll be hanging out. Acts chapter 8. So I'll give you a moment. Acts 8, we'll start in verse 4. We're going to be talking about a guy named Philip. <laughs> Many of you know Philip. Some of you are like, who's Philip? We'll find out. So verse 4, I'll just give a little background. So many of you know Paul the Apostle, right? I mean, Paul's like wrote half of the New Testament or whatever. But Paul, at this time in his life, he was still named Saul, and he was persecuting the church of Jesus. So those that were following Jesus, that, that confessed that he was the Lord, the Son of God, they, they were living for him. And Paul was persecuting the church. So they were in Jerusalem at the time. But because of the persecution, it said that they all started to spread. But I love that even though there's pressure and persecution on the church, God used it for his glory because then the gospel started spreading to the surrounding area as well. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. God used that for his good. So here's Philip. He, he was in Jerusalem. Persecution started happening. So he goes north to Samaria. All right, here we are. Verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. 
Philip, verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what, he w- sorry, to what was being said by Philip. Then they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who, par- who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. I love it. So word spread about what God was doing in Samaria. Like Philip was doing his thing. And a little background on Philip. You, you may remember there was a time earlier in Acts where the apostles were like, hey, we're overwhelmed with all that we have to do. We have to devote ourselves to the word and the preaching of the word. And they're like, we need to have people come into place, so deacons. We need to get seven deacons to start doing the cares ministry. So taking care of widows, feeding the poor. So Philip was one of those seven. And I love it. So there was, he, he received an assignment from God to be a deacon. Persecution happens. He has to flee. But everywhere he goes, Philip lives on mission. So he's like, well, that didn't turn out how I expected. But here I am in Samaria. I have the gospel I can share with these people. He starts, you know, sharing the gospel. They're listening. He's praying. There's, like, people being, like, set free, people getting healed. All these wonderful things were happening. And I love it because Philip is like, no matter where I am, I'm going to live on mission. And so the apostles were the only ones that stayed in Jerusalem. And they were like, we hear about what's happening in Samaria. Let's go. So Peter and John, the disciples, they go to Samaria. And they, they're checking it out. They, they start praying. And it says that they, they prayed hands on the believers to receive the Holy Spirit. And they did. So that's cool. So they were like, there's one thing you're missing. Let me pray for you, Holy Spirit. Come on. <laughs> it was awesome. And so they did that. And then they, they went back to Jerusalem. At this point, if I was Philip, I'd be like, you know, God's doing awesome things here. Maybe this is my spot. But God had a different plan. So in verse 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to, Ga- to Gaza. This is a desert place. Rise up and go. Man, I think it's so interesting the way that God can really direct us. He really does lead us. But I think it, it ha- we have to slow down to know the voice of the Lord. Like if, if Philip was like, let's pray for everybody, blah, blah, blah. You know, like he was doing it, but sometimes we have to slow down and wait on the Lord. And I love, I love the rise up and go. This means Philip was in a position of setting or resting, right? Because God's like, rise up, it's time to go. But, but Philip was in a place of hearing the Lord. And so many times, one of the keys to living on on mission is to slow down. We have to hear from God. We have to wait on the Lord. And I have a map. I think we have, we can put it up here. Do we have a map? <laughs> we might have a map. There we are. Look at that. All right, so a little, little visual. So here's Jerusalem, kind of in the middle. Maybe I'll move so you can see. So he goes up to Samaria, where Sebaste. <laughs> and then you know, God's doing awesome things. All of a sudden, God's like, hey, go back to Jerusalem. <laughs> he's like, wait, what? I just came for Jerusalem, Lord. But he's like, so God, through the angel, says, rise up and go. This is a desert place. But I think it's interesting that he tells him to go to Jerusalem and then take the desert road to Gaza. Because there's other, other ways to get there, probably shorter routes. 
But sometimes God asks you to take the slower route. Sometimes God asks you to take the desert route. Ooh, desert? That does not sound fun. Do we have a desert picture up here? Hit it up. Look at that. Ugh. That does not look very, very pleasant. <laughs> very dry, very dead. But sometimes that's what God asks, right? And Philip, he took the time to slow down, to hear from the Lord. And I think we live in such a do culture. Like, get her done. You can do it. It's very common for when you meet someone, it's like, what's your name? And then what's the next thing you ask? What do you do? It's a way for us to kind of relate with one another. But our culture is all about like, speed up, do more, do it better, do it faster. Get through it so you can get to the next thing. But I think sometimes we have to slow down. And that's hard. It's hard to slow down. My wife and I, we were listening to a book about something similar, like slowing down to allow the Lord to speak to you to rest. And we were driving from Chicago, listening to this book. We're actually, I was on a trip to see my family, so we're driving back. And we're like, yes, God, we want to slow down. Like, help us, help us to rest. Help us to do this. And then our car breaks down in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, wait a second. That's not what I expected, God. I just meant, like, spiritually, you know. Like, <laughs> but I just remember, like, the, the uncomfortability of that. Like, whoa. Like, the Lord made me slow down. That's not, it wasn't as flashy or exciting as I expected, you know. But the Lord is good. And in that place, like, he really blessed us. Like, there was financial provision from different people. People were, like, praying for us. It was awesome. And we found our way back, and it was so cool. But, but I just remember, like, oh, I thought slowing down was cooler than this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> How many of you want the immediate, right? You're like, I just want it now. Like, Letty and I, we don't have a microwave, but we were at a friend's house. We're like, oh, two minutes. Let's go. I have a meal ready. Like, that felt good to have it that fast, you know. But then, like, the middle is, like, always, like, ice, you know. It's not as good. But it was edible. <laughs> but have you ever been so much in a hurry that you engulfed yourself in your own world and stopped realizing what God was doing? You're like, you're so into your, what's going on? You're like, wait, God, I haven't, like, heard from you in a while. I don't even know what you're trying to do in, in my life or in my family or in this ministry or whatever else. Like, I've lost sight of what you're doing because I'm so busy doing. <laughs> oh, man. Recently, I've been impacted by the word, two words, Jesus walked. There's never a time in the Gospels where it's like, Jesus ran, or Jesus was in a hurry. Jesus walked. I'm like, whoa, that's cool. Like, you were never in a hurry, Jesus. There was even times where people were like, hey, you have to come. You have to do this. And he delayed the trip. Jesus was not in a hurry because he was in tune with what the Father was doing. He was in tune with what the Father was saying. It even says he took time to get to a desolate place to to pray and be with God. Even when people were like, Jesus, where are you? You know, like they would like try to find him or whatever. But he would still go and find a desolate place to slow down and hear from the Lord. And I believe that's such a key to living on mission is we have to slow down 
And it doesn't mean, like, quit your job. I'm not just <laughs> trying to say, quit your job, don't, like, serve, whatever else, don't do that. I'm just saying, like, do you have the rhythms in your life where you get to slow down and be with God? Have you, do you have some kind of a routine where you're like, life is crazy, but Jesus, let's meet. Like, what are you saying? For me, honestly, I want to do it more, but I have to, like, force myself to journal, which I'm like, journaling sounds so unmanly sometimes. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're like, I don't want to talk about my feelings and emotions or whatever, but I find so many times if I can, if I can make the time to sit down and I just write, Jesus, what are you doing? And then I take time and listen, and I try to write it down. And actually, it's so helpful for me because then I, like, go back, and I'm like, whoa, God, you, like, spoke that, and then this happened, and that happened. And it's so cool because it, it builds your faith to be like, actually, God does speak to me. And if, if there's anyone here that's like, I don't hear the voice of the Lord, I just want to say God speaks to you. Like, God wants to speak to you. Like, you are not disqualified from hearing the voice of the Lord. And you don't need somebody up here telling you what God's saying. You just need to get in that place with Jesus and be like, Lord, what are you talking about? What are you saying to me today? Because he wants to speak to you personally, not just through other people, which is cool that he does that. Thank you, Jesus. We need that. that sometimes we need that community to come around us. But he also wants to speak to you personally, have that personal relationship. All right. Are you slowing down enough to hear from God? When we slow down, we wait on the Lord. And waiting on the Lord is not lazy. It's not like checking out, right? You're not like, okay, God, do it. And you're just like vegging out or whatever. It's an active waiting. It's a waiting with expectation of like, what are you going to do? God, what are you going to say? How are you going to move in this situation? I I remember there was a a time there there was something hard happening And I was like, whoa, what am I going to do in this situation? But the Lord, he was like, hey, this is actually an opportunity for me to show you my faithfulness. This is an opportunity for me to come in and show you that I'm a faithful God, and I love you. I see the details of your life, and I can move powerfully. And that changed my perspective really fast, right? Because then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, what are you going to do, God? What's going to happen? It's awesome. All right, we're going to go back to the, the Bible verse. Verse 27. This is Acts 8 still. So Philip, he rose up and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. So we'll stop there for a sec. I feel like the next key to live on mission is to lay down. Uh, And I'm not saying physically lay down. You can. (laughs) But we have to lay down our own ideas of what's supposed to happen. We have to lay down our, our want for that control, right? Lay down our opinions of what's the best. Sometimes I have to lay down my pride. Because <laughs> I'm like, I got this. <laughs> and then I try, and I'm like, oh, God, I needed you. <laughs> I needed you in that one. You know? But I love that God told him to take the desert route. And then on that route, there was someone there. Right? Someone that God wanted him to encounter, an Ethiopian eunuch, who was a high official in the courts, right? He, he was in charge of all the money. <laughs> That's that's a pretty powerful person from that country. But he, Philip was like, I will be, I will say yes to you, Jesus. 
I will live on mission, but that means I got to lay down my own plans. Because like I said in that map, we can pull it up for a sec, Ethan. Philip was, he went up to Samaria, right? And then God's like, hey, go back to Jerusalem, 65 miles, right? Probably not going to move very fast. And then go to the desert road to Gaza. That's another 50 miles. Like all of a sudden you're like, whoa, that's a long way. I don't know, I feel like I always go GPS, like, give me the fastest route, right? I bet that's what Philip was feeling in that moment of like, what if there's a better way? Like, there was also a route along the Mediterranean called the Sea Road. I'm like, Jesus, take me on that road. I don't want to take the desert road. But Philip laid down his opinion of what's best. He laid down his, his own, you know, like his own feelings of like, this might be hard. But he was excited. He's like, okay, let's go. And God helps him meet this guy. Maybe God has you on route, on a route you did not expect. Or maybe you've been, you feel like you've been on that, like on a, the same road. Maybe it's a desert road. But you feel like you've been there a long time. But I just want to tell you and encourage you, when you lay down your rights before God, when you lay down your agendas, you're actually in a place where God can use you. Because if you lay it all down, you're like, okay, like, fill me up, Holy Spirit. (laughs) I got nothing left, but you can use me here. Man. I remember when I was moving here to Kansas City, I was 19, and before that I was living in Chicago with my parents and my two younger brothers and my younger sister. And I remember it was hard for me to move. I might cry. (laughs) Thanks. It was hard because I give my life to Jesus, and I was like, I don't know if my siblings love you, Jesus. Like, <laughs> thanks, thanks for being patient, <laughs> man. I was like, God, I don't know. Like, do they love you? What's gonna happen? Because at that point, I was kind of like, I don't want to say I was a spiritual authority in the house, but my parents were walking with the Lord, and my siblings, I didn't know, and I was like, who's going to show them Jesus? <laughs> yeah, and I remember the Lord spoke to me. He's like, hey, you can trust them more to me than yourself. Uh, and I was like, wow, God, that's pretty crazy. Like, you're right. Obviously, that's true. Like, I can trust you more with their salvation than myself. But I remember that was a moment where I had to lay down my own right for control. Like, I had to lay down my self-righteousness of like, oh yeah, I'll lead them to Jesus. Because maybe God's like, hey, I want to lead them to myself through this person or this way. Or, you know, like, I want to speak to them. But I remember there was a laying down in that moment. I was like, wow, God, I trust you. So if you want to live on mission, you have to lay down. Sometimes you have to let go of things that you thought you would do or things that you thought was your (laughs) purpose or, man, you just have to lay down your opinions, your agendas, your pride. All right, let's keep going. Verse 28. Ah, And he was returning, or as the eunuch was returning, seated in the chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Come on. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? He said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Okay, guys, like this is such a God moment. <laughs> like God set this up perfectly. He's literally reading Isaiah 53, which says, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened up his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied. Who can describe this generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? I love it. Then Philip opened his mouth. Hey, there's going to be times this season where God's going to set things up and you're going to open your mouth <laughs> and speak the words of God. And not just by your own strength, but by the Holy Spirit, right? And Philip opened his mouth. Sorry, I lost my... And beginning with the scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Okay, I got to stop there. They are on a desert road, and there's a body of water. That's cool. How many of you know that God can provide water in the desert? And specifically, think, speaking about salvation, he can bring salvation to places that seem the most unlikely. This holiday season, I just want to ask you, like, be sensitive to what God is doing. When you're at that Christmas party for your job, there's probably some people that may be broken, but maybe God has put you there to speak to them. And let's be honest, we're all broken, right? We all need Jesus. But maybe God has placed you there, just like Philip, on that road, at the right time, with the right words. Maybe you'll be with that family member who you're like, oh, I I don't want to be around them. But hey, I believe that God can use you, even that hard situation. I remember someone told me, like, it's not an accident the family God put you in. <laughs> Isn't that cool? That's awesome. Like, it's not an accident. God knew what he was doing. And so many times, those are the people that rub us the most. But how cool is it if you walk into the house, things are going crazy, but you're full of peace. Or you're full of joy. You're full of, what if they were treating you pretty badly and you respond in love? Come on, what does that tell them? What does that show? All right, verse 37. Philip said to him, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I do believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. All right, this verse is pretty crazy. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. What? It says, and the eunuch saw him no more. Imagine being baptized. You're like, you're like, where'd he go? Like, he's like, whoop. <laughs> but it's cool. The eunuch, he goes on. He, so he was like, okay. He went on his way rejoicing. That's cool. But Philip found himself at Azotus. <laughs> cool name. And he passed through he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So I want to stop there. Next key of living on mission is to build up. Like build up the people around you. 
Like, the, the person Jesus puts in front of you in that moment, how could you build them up? Pastor Jonathan does a great job speaking about how do you add value to that person? Like, how can you take a moment and build that person up? Maybe it's an encouragement. Maybe it's like, hey, I just want to pray for you. Or like, I was praying and I just felt like God told me this. Or maybe it's a, just like being kind to them. How are you building up the people around you? Maybe your family. Maybe God sent you to your family. Maybe sending you to your workplace. Maybe to a friend or a person at Walmart. I don't know. But just be aware of the people around you. And be like, God, how can you use me in this situation to build up those people? Philip, he built up this guy. He, he stopped on the road, shared the gospel, baptized him. It was awesome. And then everywhere he went, it said he was sharing. He was sharing the gospel. He was praying for people until he got to Caesarea. Man, it's so cool. I've had an interesting experience like this before where I was, I was at Chipotle. And I was just eating my Chipotle, you know, minding my business. And all of a sudden, I just started praying like, hey, God, like, what are you doing? And, and I felt like the Lord asked me to pray for this guy there. So I was like, okay, I'll pray for this guy. So I'm praying for him. And then I feel like the Lord gives me a word, and I was like, oh, no. Like, I don't want to share anything with this stranger. But I felt like I was like, hey, go tell him this. And I was like, oh. And then, you know, like, in those moments, you're so uncomfortable. You're like, okay, God, if we, like, cross paths exactly at the same time, and he sneezes twice and blinks once, <laughs> you know, you're, like, making up this random scenario. But I was like, okay, we like cross paths, God, I'll tell him, you know, in my, my weak faith. So I like got up, I'm leaving, and then of course, this guy's leaving at the same time. We walk through the same door, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, hey, dude, how's it going? And then I'm like, what's your name? I was like, this, I just want to share with you, I was praying, and I felt like God told me this. And it was cool. This guy's name was Elijah, which, that's cool. <laughs> I love it. But he was like, Actually, I was just in Chipotle praying about this situation, and God used you to speak to me. And now I know he hears my voice. I was like, okay, God, like, that's cool. (laughs) Isn't it awesome when you make yourself available? God can use you. And sometimes it feels silly. Sometimes it'll be like, I don't want to talk to you. That's okay. (laughs) Just be obedient. Ah, man. All right, but the interesting thing is, so we see Philip, he goes, can put that map up? I know, I'm a map guy. So he goes, Jerusalem. We got it? Yeah, thank you. Jerusalem, and then Desert Road, y'all see, goes to Gaza. God takes him from Gaza. He, like, puts him in Azotus, and then he, like, goes up to Caesarea, preaching the gospel everywhere. But the interesting is, thing is, after that, we don't really hear much about Philip. All the way till Acts 21, all right? So that's a long way from Acts 8 to Acts 21. And in Acts 21, it would, at this point, the gospels kind of shift, and the writers of the gospels are kind of following Paul, his ministry, Peter, his ministry, you know. But you don't really hear anything about Philip. And then Paul goes to Caesarea. So at this point, it's probably like 20 years later, all right? So a lot of time goes by, and it says that Philip invited Paul. He hosted him at his house, and Philip, he was obviously a lot older at this time, and he had four daughters. So he's a parent at this point, right? He has four daughters, and it says that they all prophesied. 
That's interesting that it wrote that about the daughters, right? So it's in, I just love that God took Philip. You know, he's like, he's like, go here, go there, go here, go there. All of a sudden, you're like in Caesarea for 20 years or more. I don't know. Maybe he did a trip. I'm not sure what his, exactly what happened. But 20 years later, he's still in that city. So God changed his assignment, and it said that he had four daughters. Like, God's like, hey, now your mission is your family. Isn't that awesome? Sometimes God changes the plan on you, and you're like, whoa. But I love it because it said all of his four daughters prophesied. He understood what living on mission meant. I can only imagine how he faithfully gave himself to the community of believers in that city. How he faithfully gave himself to his family. How he raised his daughters to hear the voice of God. And I just want you to, we're going to close with this. If Jared's up here, you can jump up. But the last key to living on mission is understanding your season. And I just challenge you or encourage you, like, in your prayer time with God, be like, God, what season am I in right now? Like, what is the purpose of this season? Because like we saw in Philip's life, there was time for him to go. There was times for him to stay. But then at the end of his life, we see his mission is his family and the community of believers. And I love it that he was planted there for so long. It's so cool. But God has a plan for you in this season of your life. Maybe it'll change in five years. Maybe it'll be the same for decades. But it's important to understand the season that you are in right now. Because you have a purpose in this season. All right, I'm going to pray. Jesus, we thank you. Man, I'm kind of going long. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Jesus, we thank you. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for the story of Philip, God, that we could be encouraged by a man living on mission. He was the first one in the Bible called an evangelist. So, God, we just thank you, Lord, that this holiday season that we get to live on mission, God, that we get to slow down, hear your voice. God, we get to lay down our, our rights. We get to lay down our agendas, our thoughts about, about what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Thank you that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your ways are higher than our ways. God, I pray that we would build up the people that you've placed in front of us and around us. Help us be an encouraging people, a people that build And help us understand this season that we're in. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the CT Church Podcast. Join us next time for week three of Because I'm Thankful series. Make sure to check us out on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Or our website at ChristTriumphant.org. We hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time.